the first thing I would say is to keep your head up. Um, oftentimes, especially as an engineer, you can get too focused on what you're doing and your head's down and you're not looking up to see the bigger picture or to see how everything fits in together. So um, keeping your head up in, in that regard, I think, is very crucial. Uh, you get to see different opportunities, especially with a fully integrated energy company like BP. There's so many different opportunities. This is Life at BP. Conversations with inspiring people with inspiring stories. Conversation about their life at BP and beyond. Hi, I'm Pratibha Arokesami, your host for the Life at BP podcast. And in this episode, I had the pleasure of talking to Ahmed Faraj, a lead subsea well engineer at BP. Ahmed joined BP's graduate program six years ago after completing his degree in mechanical engineering. Ahmed is sharp, reflective and wise. And in this episode, he talks about his work and its impact on the safety of BP's frontline workers in our rigs, his biggest learnings over the past six years, and provides some fantastic advice for those at the start of their careers on how to make a great impression and to get the best out of BP's graduate program. Thank you, Ahmed, for chatting with us today. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Let me start off by asking you what the responsibilities of a sub see well engineer is sure so i'll say it's a little bit of twofold depending on where we are in operations so we sit within the wells organization um, and most of us either support completions or intervention activities so essentially we're there to either help with the well construction of a new well or we're there to help with essentially fixing a well a well that's been sick and it's not producing like it should will help the interventions teams access the equipment underwater so that's why they call it subsea it's really just underwater engineering and then we'll help building what i like to call an underwater highway to make sure all the oil has somewhere to flow to the facility before it's produced so you're kind of almost like a well doctor is that right <laughs> in a way we in a way we can be yes we will go into your current role in a bit, but I want to take us back to pre-BP, before you joined BP. I'd really like to understand where the interest in the energy sector started for you and, uh, and also particularly BP to start your career. Sure. So I was born in Cairo, Egypt, um, and, and that's where my family is from. And so energy was kind of always like a major thing there. Um, the, w the way they're tested there, depending on your test results in high school, determines where you can go to college. If you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be a dentist. Um, and then petroleum engineering was one of the highest ones. And it's always something that was so coveted. And so my uncle really pushed me to pursue something in petroleum or energy in the United States. So that was that was like always something that was ingrained in me from a young age and so I knew I wanted to be an engineer because both my parents were engineers and it, it just seems like the logical thing to do. So in university I explored different engineering paths and I saw mechanical engineering and it had such a broad I guess field of career paths that you could pursue um, and then oil just made the most sense once I found some opportunities. With BP it was actually funny um, so we have annual career fairs that we do at the university and where tons of companies come in and recruit students. The BP team actually came in, to, in the career fair with the football jerseys of my college. So Georgia Tech, they had full Georgia Tech college jerseys on. I thought, I was like, man, this is, is like a really cool company. Everyone else is coming in with like button downs and polos and they're coming in with football jerseys. So I, I was immediately attracted to BP at that point. Um, and then I talked to everyone in the recruiting team and they were so welcoming. Um, and then come to find out BP is, you know, 
huge in America. They, they produce the most in the Gulf of Mexico. So there's a lot of things that lined up for me. And then they also had things back home in Egypt. So if I wanted to explore international opportunities, that was available too. So all the pieces really fit together for me. And did you have other um, companies that you were looking at as well? And did you have uh, you know, a, a range of options before you took the role at BP? Yes, fortunately, I, I did. There, there were some other companies. Some were direct competitors of BP, um, so super major oil companies, um, service companies as well that are more, you know, you know, helpful for these organizations. And then some were actually in tech, so it was a little bit different. Um, with BP, I, I had a couple of internships in Houston, and I really enjoyed the experience. And you know, it just it just felt right for me. So that's why I wanted to keep going and you know, join full time after school. And when did you do the internships, Ahmed? So 2012, I did one internship, and then 2013, I did another one. And you were in your second year or third year of college at the time? Yes, yeah, so it was like after sophomore year and then after junior year. So I was fortunate enough to kind of do two internships at BP, um, and I experienced two different functions completely. So back then in 2012, I tried uh, what was formerly known as the Global Operations Organization. And then in my second one, I tried an internship in the Global Wells Organization. And those really kind <clears> of <throat> helped me understand how the company works and, and different opportunities within each function. And, and that's kind of why I, I stuck to GWO, which is now known as Wells. And if you were to think back at the selection process, how did you find that? And did you do anything specific to put yourself in the best place possible to land a role at BP or any of the other organizations that you are interested in? Yeah, I think part of it is recruiters don't want to answer the same basic questions of, you know, like, you know, what do you think of your job? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? If you've done some research, then it helps them understand that you are interested in that company. And I feel that separated me from perhaps some of my other student peers going into career fairs. So I would know, like before going into a career fair, what my top 10 companies were, I'd know where their tables were. Um, and then I would do my research to see like, okay, what's their core values? Uh, where are their operations? What are some things that they've been saying in the news or people in the news are saying about them? So having that kind of like background research really help like facilitate conversations better. So for me, I was asking a lot about working offshore and, you know, how that lifestyle was and what kind of operations they're doing there. And so that helped me understand. And then they were able to go into the details of like, oh, well, by the way, we have our own meteorologist, we have our own catering crew or cleaning crew. So these are things I didn't necessarily find on the website that they could talk to me about. So I feel like when you dig past the surface level, um, it really helps like stimulate those conversations and the representatives know you're interested. And so likewise, they're interested in you. And what about the transition? So you've obviously got the job and then you're moving from studying into really a full-time role and actually doing a real job. How was that transition for you? What are the things in the transition that you could adapt to easily? And what are the bits that you had to really work at? Yeah, no, that's a great question. It, it's completely different. I mean, you, you don't realize it until you actually have to make the transition. And then especially now, if I reflect back five years, it, it's so different. Like study mode and work mode are, are two different things, even though you're, you're dictating a lot of your time to a cause of the day. Um, for me, I would say what helped me Georgia Tech really prepared me to pick up new information to learn and to time manage. So that transition of going to BP, learning completely new material, it wasn't things that I directly learned um, in university. So, just, but just having the you know capability to learn new things that was great. 
what I thought probably was a bit more challenging is understanding the culture and the hierarchy at BP and, you know, those those social cues that you don't necessarily get in a classroom, just understanding and reading a meeting, um, you know, reading personalities in a meeting, who's in charge, who's making the decisions, um, what, you know, what gives them positive vibes versus negative vibes. So a lot of those social cues and social aspects, I feel like those are some of the things a lot of university students need to adapt to that you're not necessarily taught in university. And was there anything specific that helped you in understanding the social cues? I think having a, a good network of people who care about you so they can see your potential, they see you care about <clears throat> about your job, and then they'll come to you uh, and tell you, hey, maybe you should have handled this situation differently or, hey, in the future, this is how you could handle this situation. Here's what I've done in the past and, and giving you kind of like context into best practices, of, if you will, of how to handle yourself in meetings and risk assessments, um, you know, I think that's been instrumental to me, just having someone more senior than me come to me after a meeting and be like, hey, what you said here could have been taken as this, even if you didn't mean it. So just be cognizant of that. And then if you go to that same network and reach out and be like, you know, how can I have more persuasion or, or convince someone that this is a good idea in the future? And, and they can give you a lot of those tips. So what I'm hearing is actually you you were seeking feedback and that you got really good feedback and that feels like a good way to learn softer skills yeah for sure and i and i will be transparent some of the feedback i necessarily i wasn't necessarily seeking myself sometimes they just give it to you so it's always good to keep an open mind when someone approaches you with the feedback <laughs> that's true do you have other graduates as a sort of a community within bp that you connect to on a regular basis or are you part of any BRGs that could be of support? Yeah, so I, I would say my first two and a half years I was in the BP Challenger program and that was a great program. That's one of the reasons I really wanted to join BP, just that like structured leadership development course and the technical development. Um, for us, we had eight that started in Wells and we did a lot of the trainings and the front end of our like employment together. And so we really bonded during those trainings. Um, we, we got to eat lunches together, dinners together. Uh, so that helped establish a good foundation within Wells. And then also more broadly, there's there's a challenger community and they were broken up into different committees and you can be involved. You can be involved in like a new hire committee, a volunteering committee, a development committee, and then eventually you can work your way up to co-president. And so I was fortunate enough to get involved my first year and then my second year I was co-president. So that also further helped like build my network within BP for graduates. And, and so I thought that was great. And it's really nice when you have someone you can like, this meeting was weird because of this. And they're like, yeah, I felt the same way. And people who are in your shoes and, and think similarly to you, just having someone to bounce ideas off of that, that was really good. And, and that really helped me a lot. Great. And just thinking about the first three years, you had played a big part in improving safety and operational efficiency in Gulf of Mexico. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you identified the issue and how you went about implementing the solution for it? Sure. So I would say what was critical to that is being a sponge in the beginning and, and learning as much as I can. Um, and, and then doing your due diligence. So essentially my approach was to just build my foundation of technical knowledge. It was, it was all new things to me, like I said. So being a sponge, learning from people, hearing their ideas, hearing their frustrations and, and just absorbing everything. 
And then once you kind of get a little bit of momentum on that, then you can start to contribute at BP. Uh, for me, when I started getting that little bit of momentum, I could like double check people's work or double check new technology or, or new equipment that was being sent. So this was the case here in uh, one of my challenge positions where I noticed that one of the new equipments we sent out wasn't up to spec to what we wanted. So there was a mistake made. Um, it could have easily been made by anyone, uh, but nonetheless, it, you know, it slipped through the cracks just because sometimes people get complacent and you need somebody there with a fresh set of eyes. And so I noticed it. I brought it up to uh, the senior engineer that I was working under and, and he confirmed it. And then, you know, we, we kind of like put into action a, a course to change this equipment so that it's fit for purpose to go offshore. So that was pretty rewarding to me, um, not only because I got a like a spot bonus, but more so that I was starting to feel like I understood things I was helping and I was able to contribute because at the beginning, you're like, man, I'm getting paid just to learn. But then after a while, you're, the expectation is you're going to be paid to do work. So that, that helped me kind of like gain a little bit of confidence. Yeah, just to explain about spot bonuses for any of our listeners who don't know what that is, is when uh, BP recognizes that you have actually contributed, uh, what they would be, what they would consider a bit beyond perhaps what is expected of you in your role, you are given a spot bonus um, as a as an acknowledgement of your contribution. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's right. And I, that was my first one. And I hadn't really heard much about it beforehand. So when my manager approached me with the letter, I was like, oh, this is cool. So, you know, it kind of helps motivate you to try to keep doing impressive things. That sounds <laughs> amazing. And it's really important because it feels like a small thing. But when you're on a rig, a small thing is as absolutely critical for people's safety. Um, and I think that's something that I've heard you talk about in the past, that you were absolutely driven by safety. Um, can you um, talk a little bit about why that is so important for you? Yeah, sure. So I think one of the greatest things that BP does for new hires is allow them to rotate offshore. So my first year full time at BP, I would rotate two weeks out to the rig one week in the office to get those touch points and then I would have one week vacation. And so like any millennial out of college that's single would love that idea. And I was able to travel the world during my time off. Um, but more importantly, I was able to get hands on training. So I was on the rig with a lot of the coworkers and it's up to 200, it's up to 200 people on the rig at the same time. So uh, it, it's not a huge place. It's very tight knit quarters and you're seeing operations firsthand, but you're also building relationships with people that are literally right there in front of you working and you, you know, you see them day in, day out. It's 12 hour shifts at a minimum. Sometimes you work more. Um, so you're really understanding, you know, how these people work, what their job responsibilities are, but you're learning a lot about their personal life. You know, a lot of them have families back home. Um, they're, they're away from their families for two weeks at a time, up to three, four weeks. So they're missing some important events, uh, birthdays, anniversaries, whatnot. So they're, they're making a huge sacrifice. Uh, just being there and then supporting the company and providing energy for the world. So once you're in their shoes, you kind of understand a day in the life, but you also understand the stresses, uh, the motivating factors. And at the end of the day, you know, after four weeks out on a rig myself, I wanted to go home and I wanted to go home safely. So knowing that feeling and knowing that people there, you know, they want to get the job done, do a great job and then go home. Um, I could relate and really appreciate that I want them to feel safe when they're out there. It would really be, you know, miserable and unfortunate if you're out there away from your family and then you also don't feel safe. Like I couldn't even imagine the stress that that would cause. So just making sure they feel like everything they're doing is is going to be executed safely and then the engineering in the office is setting them up for success as well. Talking of safety on the rig, 
obviously this year you've had to not just think about the usual on a rig from a safety perspective. We've had the COVID-19 crisis and people in the rigs can't work from home. How has this crisis impacted your work and your team's work? Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, unfortunately, the world is in a pandemic that no one thought would happen and no one especially thought it would last this long. Um, like you said, they, they're not allowed the luxury to work from home. So I have to be like very cognizant of what they're going through, especially if so they're, they're offshore, they're isolated. And it's like a cruise line. If someone on the cruise gets it, most likely all, if not most of them are going to get it. So that's a lot of stress that they would be put under. And then they'd have to go home to their families. And if they have anybody that's like high risk in their families, that's an additional stress. So being extra careful and uncognizant of that situation and the stress that adds um, kind of helps a lot tailor what kind of decisions you want to make. So I was very vocal um, at the beginning about making sure the team felt safe. Um, did, the, did the vessel or the rig do proper cleaning? Are they doing proper inspections? Are they getting temperature checks of new people on the rig? Are they doing the questionnaire, making sure no one has been like in contact with someone with COVID? Um, those were all key things that I thought needed to be done. And then the feel, you, you want to make sure that the people out there feel good. Um, so if you're starting to send a bunch of new people to the vessel or the rig that aren't essential for the operations, they're, they're not going to appreciate that. So making sure it's we're keeping purely essential workers on the vessel and, and limiting our rotations and our uh, like hitch. So if someone's working there four weeks, uh, we want to make sure our crew changes where their their relief, their back to back is all lined up. That way there, there's minimal changes and phases. So um, props to the frontline workers. They've been phenomenal. They've handled it like champs. Um, and, you know, we're companies very blessed and lucky to have them. And were you able to draw any learnings from Hurricane Harvey? You know, because you guys went through that only what, a couple of years ago. And I think a lot of people who I speak to in the U.S. say, you know, we had a little bit of a preview for this during the time in terms of crisis management. Hurricane Harvey was, was crazy. I... That, I mean, I still remember that like it was yesterday. So I was on vacation in Europe. I was coming back from Spain and we were the last flight into uh, Houston. And after that, they shut down the airport because everything was flooded and people didn't understand how bad Harvey was going to get. Um, so then I drove home and it, it just kept getting worse and worse. And essentially my complex, three fourths of it, so three corners of it was flooded. And you could see people kayaking in the streets just because of how flooded it was. And it afforded me the opportunity to, to get out during like the one path and I was able to go to a friend's house because I had lost power. Um, um, and I, I think what I really appreciate about that is BP's culture of care really showed like, you know, the company cares about its employees, but you know, I was getting daily check-ins from my boss. Um, everyone was asking, are you okay? Can we do anything? Especially after I relocated because I lost power. Um, they were, you know, just really conscious about what I'm going through and making sure I'm okay. So I, I love that. Um, but it was a silver lining. It kind of helped us understand remote working um, just because our, our office flooded. Our Westlake One headquarters had flooded. So we weren't allowed to work there, obviously. Um, so as, at various times we were working from home and, it, and things weren't as good um, back then virtually as they are now. Like there wasn't a Zoom, Microsoft Teams wasn't here to, to do, you know, these video chats. Um, but we got buy-in and we did well and but it really just puts things into perspective where you're used to working this certain way over a period of time and the improvements in technology and the investment the company has made in new technology has allowed us to be successful during COVID. So with Hurricane Harvey, we got a sneak peek at working remotely and after it during the pandemic, 
we just fine-tuned a lot of the things that we experienced. Just thinking about your current role, you've been in BP for about six years now, is that right? Yeah, six years. yeah time flies. <laughs> How many roles have you done since you joined as a graduate, including rotations? I would probably break it down into four different roles where like my focus area and my responsibilities were a bit different. Um, one of them was a short-term role, so not every role was essentially like highlighted in HR as a major shift. But as far as having my main responsibilities and accountabilities change, I would say I've had four different ones during my six-year tenure. Having had all of these experiences, has your idea of what you wanted to do shifted at all since you first joined BP? Yeah, for sure. I think when I first joined BP, I will be frank, I, I was more focused on oil and gas as an energy source. Now, with things changing and, you know, my awareness of climate change, uh, I guess, (laughs) being made more obvious, I feel like I'm more concerned about energy. Um, What can I do to get people energy at the end of the day? So that focus has kind of like led me to see, okay, what opportunities does BP have? Uh, BP Ventures is is a great part of the organization that essentially looks at new technology for unlocking energy. Um, So I, I think they have pretty exciting role in, and that's one of the things BP does that I think is great. Uh, as far as leadership, I feel that anybody in your career, you have an opportunity to be a, a leader of some sort. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're managing people, but you have a voice. How can you lead with your voice to say, okay, I think we should do things this way instead of this way because it's safer, or I think we should do it this way because it's more operation friendly. Um, so there's been times where I've been a leader in that regard where I'm not managing anybody, but you know, you're kind of like a change leader, if you will, making things better for the company, making the company more competitive. Um, and you know, we have a new CEO and Bernard's done a great job highlighting our ambitions at BP and what it means to be a integrated energy company as opposed to an international oil company. And I think that vision is great. I think it's absolutely necessary to keep us competitive, but it also makes you feel better about what you're doing at BP. Um, I've always appreciated how we deliver energy to the world uh, through oil and gas, but you know, having an opportunity to shift a little bit and be like a fully energy company with wind, biofuels, solar, whatnot, um, I think that's exciting. So tell me a little bit more about BP Ventures and what are, what are some of the things that they do that really got you excited? So we have this newsletter um, internally called In The Know. And I love reading these newsletters. The, the editors of that have just like done a phenomenal job that I've appreciated. But essentially what it does, it's Monday through Friday, they send a newsletter about what's happening at BP, what's happening in the industry, what's happening globally. So it's like New York Times or a Wall Street Journal for BP and oil and gas companies. So um, that's where I first heard about BP Ventures. They were talking about some of the recent investments they've done and how that's beneficial and, and the future outlook of that. Um, and then I started digging on the BP Ventures website and you know learning more about their BP's portfolio companies, what people do on a day-to-day. And, and I thought it was great. So what first interested me was a company that BP invested in, which takes natural gas and converts it into fish food. So it's, it's really something like you would never think of, but there's a company that does this and BP supports them. And, you know, it's not only energy, but it's also food. So there's a sustainability piece in, in different aspects and BP supporting that. And so essentially what the venture capitalists do at BP is they, they see how the company operates. Um, they see what their vision is and what their plan for the future. 
And if they can get aligned with their management team, then they make an investment. So they have equity in the company. They'll help the company grow. Um, and so it, it's an amazing relationship, I feel like, that you have with your portfolio companies, helping them grow, investing in them, and then believing in their vision. Um, so that, that, was, that was one of the roles at BP that I thought was very exciting. Sold. I definitely want to <laughs> work for <laughs> ventures now. <laughs> right. No, it's actually a brilliant part of BP. Good luck on that. And if you were to think of a handful of things, it could be one or two or three things that helps an individual, especially a graduate coming into BP, really make the most, most of their uh, experience of their learnings within the company, what would they be? Yeah. So it's like talking to myself six years ago, really. <laughs> yeah. I think the first thing I would say is to keep your head up. Um, oftentimes, especially as an engineer, you can get too focused on what you're doing and your head's down and you're not looking up to see the bigger picture or to see how everything fits in together. So um, keeping your head up in, in that regard, I think, is very crucial. Uh, you get to see different opportunities, especially with a fully integrated energy company like BP. There's so many different opportunities. Um, and just, you know, being aware of what people do on a day-to-day -day basis and, you know, what their role is to make the company work, uh, I think helps. So not trying to get too tied down into your work is one thing. Second thing is kind of a bit different is be really good at your job. Um, so you can get tempted by other jobs, um, other opportunities, even other companies. But the most important thing is to be really good at your own job. If you can deliver you know, what you're supposed to deliver and the expectations are there and, and you, you earn some street cred, if you will, people will recognize you and they'll, you know, want to help you succeed and they'll, they'll want you on their teams, essentially. So when you're really great at your job, I think that opens up a lot of doors. And the third, I think attitude is key. Um, I'd always known that attitude was an important part of being successful or, you know, having a happy life. But the way it resonates with people in the office is, is incredible. So if you have a smile on and if you have great attitude and you go into meetings and you're walking the hallways, people like that and they want to work with you and they want to help you. So having a positive attitude does wonders for you. It makes you, you know, in a better position where you can think more clearly and, and you can do work, but it also puts a positive impression of people on you. Um, and, and, and they like that. And so if they see someone's positive, people tend to attract to positive people as opposed to negative people. So keeping a positive attitude and, you know, just an optimistic attitude at times, I think, is key. What are the things that you found just generally challenging at BP? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's a very steep learning curve at first, especially from someone... Um, not from a Texas school that has petroleum engineering. You're not really exposed to that. So at Georgia Tech, we didn't really have a petroleum engineering department at all. And so I wasn't exposed to oil and gas much in school. So it's a steep learning curve when you when you join BP as an energy company and you're saying like, oh, okay, so this is how oil is produced. There's a lot that goes into it. a lot of people, a lot of capital, a lot of equipment. Um, and you'll go into meetings and you'll hear all these acronyms. Um, BP was like, very good about having TLAs, three-letter acronyms. And so you'll hear a bunch of new things uh, about new equipment you've never heard of and everything's just like going over your head. And so like what I would do is I just like try to write down all the things that I didn't understand in a meeting and, and just learn that way. So it's a steep learning curve. And I think at times we didn't have the best training necessarily to bring people up to speed. A lot of it we relied on experienced individuals who've been doing the job for you know 30 years and you just go talk to that person but now we've done a really good job of trying to systematically capture everything um you know whether through documented procedures through lessons learned 
whatnot. We, we've just done a very good job of making sure that knowledge transfer and the knowledge management is really taken care of. And so this year's interns got to see a lot of presentations by various disciplines. And so they, they got to get like inside sneak peeks, whereas previously I, I didn't always have that, I feel. So just being always on your toes and learning, I think, has been the biggest challenge. Thank you so much, Ahmed. That was brilliant and really insightful. And I definitely learned a little bit more about what a subsea engineer does, a BP. I can't be further away from that job title. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. So good luck and good luck um, in ventures, right? At some point. Yeah, you never know. Just, you know, keep keep working hard and fingers crossed it might happen. But no, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this.